Hello and welcome along to the RT Rugby Podcast, our second last episode of the season before we head off on our summer holidays. A pretty simple menu for us today on the pod as well. Two big finals. We look back at Leinster and La Rochelle's incredible Champions Cup final from last Saturday and we'll look ahead to this Saturday's United Rugby Championship decider between the Stormers and Munster down in Cape Town to do all of that. I have Bernard Jackman and Fiona Hayes here for company. Guys, how are you today? Good. Good, Neil. Yeah, great. Thank you. Birch, I'll start with you. Before we get into the the nitty and gritty and the hows and whys of La Rochelle 27, Leinster 26, we just start off talking about how incredible a game that was. Like, that is, yeah. for me, top five games I've ever been to. Straight away, it's in there. Yeah, I agree. And, and we beat, like, well, I... We agree. Uh, and back to back, I thought the Munster Leinster game was fascinating as a contest and yeah. dramatic and uh, great atmosphere. Even though you know the Viva was only half full, but this was uh, test Ireland level. France this year, was test level. Ireland France this year was amazing. Um, and obviously, I thought the weekend, the final was was incredible. And um, actually, someone sent me a photograph. Uh, I was supposed to be kind of at the tunnel, but I was actually nearly on the pitch. I'll send it to you after. I was nearly on the pitch for that last drive by Leinster. Um, I think I jumped in front of a few ball boys, and I was crouched down because people behind me couldn't see. But just uh, you're just like it was so finely poised. Um, and obviously then the drama with the red card. I was still have to win those two lineouts that they had to win. Um, to be able to close out the game because you know Leinster were dangerous and all Leinster probably needed was a was a was a penalty and and um you know in a more kicker position than the one that they turned down but um it was it was incredible seventeen 0 down I was, we were just going like talking to uh, Flannery and and Heaslip and Fiona Coughlin saying like is this the best like Leinster are untouchable you know what I mean like the way they started that game to go seventeen and up the speed they're playing at the accuracy. And then the way just slowly just started to unfold and, and La Rochelle started to to show what they could do. And watch it back a couple of times and I, I think they're justifiably winners. They they merited the win. They dominated the game, to be fair to them. Uh, I know it was incredibly close and you can argue the toss about decisions and drop goals or not drop goals, but La Rochelle definitely weren't or definitely deserve to win that, I think, on on the on the basis of the play. Uh, in terms of their domination, particularly when you take into account how they came back, um, and are a phenomenal side, a phenomenal side, and um, <clears throat> uh, you know, I think I, I I'm gonna I know our season finishes on Sunday, but I'm gonna be glued to the top fourteen for the next uh <laughs> three or four weeks to see if they can win a Brennis, and obviously you know it looks like it's between them and Toulouse, but uh, what a game, and the, and for all the talk two years ago about the rules and and not being able to have a good good games with the way the game is being refereed. You can. You actually can. And also, the other thing what I think is interesting is there's this fallacy or perception that you have to have massive ball in play, time to have a good mm-hmm. game. And so obviously, we've had some games where it has been really high ball in play time. Obviously, Ireland, France, etc. Um, Munster, Leinster. But this week was 36 minutes, seven minutes less than there. And yet, it was still fascinating. You know, So there's lots of different ways you can play. Um, and as a spectator, I think we're getting we're getting the benefit of that. Yeah, and Fiona, I thought it was, I thought it was mad during that second half, and even just to to pick up on what Birch was saying there about ball and play, and obviously before the Toulouse game, we would have spoken about how Leinster want to keep that nice and high, try run Toulouse off their feet, get the big boys moving around, and it was the same kind of idea this time round. But there were a few stages in the second half where Leinster would make a decent kind of a stoppage, 
on La Rochelle. Like they pulled off a handful mm. of absolutely fantastic turnovers. Uh during you know to hold La Rochelle out for the 20-25 minutes before they did score that try. And I couldn't help but thinking at the time, just from a Leinster point of view, just take a knee. Someone take a knee, go down, and actually like sometimes just because you're really, really good at playing at a high tempo and stuff, it doesn't mean that sometimes you don't have to just slow the game down. And it did feel during that second half that Leinster were rushing so much of what they were trying to do. As soon as they got the ball, they wanted to get rid of it. And just, do you know what? You've won a turnover. You've got a scrum coming up here. Just take a couple of minutes. Wear down the clock a little bit and just catch a breather yourself. Even though La Rochelle are going to get some air into the lungs as well. It just felt that Leinster were... They were trying to race their way towards the full-time whistle. Yeah, I think you got it spot on there, Neil. That's what I couldn't understand about that second half. I know, um, obviously, James Ryan was a, a huge loss, but there's still a, a lot of leaders out there in the pack. And it was almost, as you said, you were you were just hoping that someone would slow down the game a little bit. And they come up with some monster turnovers. I mean, they were absolutely unbelievable at defence uh, at times. But to keep kicking the ball to La Rochelle, I suppose... That's where I, I felt in the second half. I suppose we hadn't seen Leinster make so many errors like that throughout the season in their kicks and their exits. Um, you know, there was a couple out in the full and probably didn't get the distance they'd been getting all season. So it was all you just wanted them to come together, take a few breeders, but it didn't happen like that. And Look, this La Rochelle team, I mean, Bernard talked about it. I think that's what really enjoyed me about the, uh, I enjoyed about the game was the fact that we're looking at, you know, the super rugby and we're looking at rugby nowadays and everything is so fast and free flowing, but it was almost like old school and it was same with Munster the week before. The physical battles, that's what was beautiful to watch up front, the scrum, everything. La Rochelle just kept it in tight and we're going after Leinster and Leinster's internal defence was amazing at times as well, so it was just brilliant to see that unfold and be so entertained with that type of rugby game as well. And Birch Lagan, that that kicking like there were five five kicks in particular. Gibson Park put one out in the full. James Lowe put one out in the full. Each of those two had another that they just sliced and didn't quite catch right and just didn't get good distance on. Ross Byrne had that kick that was blocked down and got knocked out. It was so un Leinster like. For a team that does kick quite a lot, their kicking is generally quite good and they put it in the right places, but it just shows the the it shows what pressure can do in a in a big moment. Um I think that is this, that is the frustrating thing because generally their kicking game is as good as any's any in the in the league um or, or champions cup, but it was that pressure and experienced players like James Lowe is now an mm. experienced player, Gibson Park is an experienced player. Uh, Ross Byrne is obviously an experienced player, and his kicking game is a huge part of of why he is the is the successor or the backup to Johnny. So, uh, not being able to kind of execute that, um, and I think to be fair, probably a lot of us down to the pressure. And I and I know I spoke to Mike Prendergast last week going into the game, and he said if you kick, what their message from Munster was, if you're going to kick against Lancer, kick early. Like don't don't. Don't try and run because they get um you know you just got to get it away, um and uh, likewise against La Rochelle I thought Leinster the other panicked and kicked like when it wasn't on to kick first phase, or um they tried to run a little bit and 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 got got pressure down and sliced their kicks so, um it's interesting how badly that that I suppose went against them how they it has to be they have to question the mental capacity there because even like 
they would definitely back themselves to be f- as fit as La Rochelle or fitter. And I know they finished strong, but there was a period there where they looked um a little bit lifeless, particularly on turnover ball, where they didn't bounce back into shape quickly. So they could run um or run kicks. Uh, so go to an edge and then kick on the edge. Um and obviously then they also didn't kick contestables really in the second half. It was all about getting territory. The only contestable they kicked was the one that Jimmy O'Keenan and I heard Jimmy O'Brien got penalised for it, and that's probably harshish. But uh, the rest of them were all long and on, and and Larishelle brought it back to them. So very frustrating for them. Um, but finals are there to be won, and and unfortunately, fortunately, and knockout rugby's there to be won. So the final, the semi final the previous week, they didn't win it, and and now their the season is over. And um, you have to give credit to the teams who managed to find a way to win. Obviously, like so much of this conversation, Fiona, is a bit Monday morning quarterback where you're saying, well, they should, you know, this didn't work, so they should have done this instead. But if you're looking at the, the kicking as well, and like it, a lot of those errors they made were directly off the back of turnovers they'd won. So it just kind of stifled the momentum and killed the momentum stone dead as soon as they'd, they'd kind of swung it back on their side. But they were so quick to kick in those moments. Do you think that they should have been looking to just get four or five phases going together and just, you know, they've been defending for pretty much that entirety of the second half. And to be honest, probably since about the 20th minute they've been defending, mm-hmm. let alone just the second half. And just try to put La Rochelle on the back foot ever so slightly and just try and have them making a few tackles and then go to then go to the kick. Yeah, and that's that's part of what I didn't understand kind of as it got towards latter ages. I know you want to clear your lines and you want to exit and get out of that zone and you don't want to be there. But I but I, I felt like, especially when I looked back at the tackles, you know, by both team on the game and, and obviously Leinster put in a lot more tackles and, you know, you could see they were tired near the end. And that's the La Rochelle pack. They were coming at them hard and fast. But I, I thought Leinster at times could have played a little bit, made that pack move around, especially when they were kind of under that amount of pressure and the guys were after doing big carries. I thought when they turned over the ball, I would have, I would have liked to see a bit more. But another thing, and Bernard might be able to to have a view on this as well. I thought they almost, um, in the line out, when they'd exit and they'd get, if they got their penalty or, or they went, they almost La Rochelle I mean when La Rochelle went up they let La Rochelle have the front of the line out a lot of the times and I know they were trying to counteract them all and they felt if they gave them the front they, they could have gone after them but I was kind of disappointed and maybe James um, Ryan off the pitch might have something to do with that in where they're but I really felt like they let them have the ball at line out time and that wasn't something Leinster had done before or had seen them do before and I don't know if Bernard feels the same about that but definitely at the front I thought they let them have it. Yeah, look, I think they got they obviously thought going into the game it was too risky to get too much air pressure because of that mall. But I mean, I thought La Rochelle's mall was was phenomenal, and they actually didn't get the benefit from it. Really, I mean, um, they won truck and trailer. They won where Leinster um, held it up. Um, they had another which went to ground naturally, apparently. Um, and didn't get a penalty from it. Uh, and they would have certainly felt for at least one of those three, there was probably an infringement somewhere. Um, and then I think then at that stage, when you realize you can't stop them all on the ground, you need to have a plan B, and that is to get some aerial pressure. And, and, and I thought the fact for before that try, the key try, they had they threw the skeleton, I think, at least twice, maybe three times. Yeah. Um, and not to react. Now, it was pretty obvious once La Rochelle had the ball. It was going to be very, very difficult for Leinster to stop them legally, particularly five yards out. So 
not to just go and take that away um, seemed strange. I'm sure it's something they regret. Um, and it is obviously easy in, in hindsight, but um, yeah, he wasn't convincing in the air because um, it's not his thing. He hadn't caught yeah. a ball in any of the. He hadn't caught a ball in any other Champions Cup game. Yeah, uh, so maybe they were saving him for <laughs> for that. But um, by God, he doesn't need to catch. He doesn't need to catch the ball in the lineup because uh, he he gives him so much. And his fitness. I mean, people have said, "Oh, Will Skelton." You know, he's not fit. Um, he has got very fit in La Rochelle, to be fair mm. to him. Um, and if there's one player you'd say that, you know, I think uh, Eddie Jones allowed three non-Australian-based um, players, like, he'd be mad to go to a World Cup without him. You know what I mean? Because he can he can influence games in, in a huge way. And he and he did it again. He did it for Saracens, but he's done it for La Rochelle three times now against Leinster. And it's, it's amazing to see, I, 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 like... Against big men and athletic men with good technique, he can still have a huge influence. I'm trying to remember was he was he with Saracens in 2020 as well? Because if he was, that yeah. would be five years in a row he has ended Leinster's season. I think he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, like he was. He wasn't his face, but he was there. Yeah. <laughs> it's remarkable stuff. Uh, Fiona mentioned mentioned James Ryan as well. Be like, how big a loss was James Ryan for the last 50 minutes? Because on on Saturday, I did my player ratings on Saturday after the game. I gave him a seven point five, based on the first thirty minutes. I watched the game back on on Sunday morning, and I went, Jesus, I've seriously shortchanged him here. He was he was absolutely phenomenal in those thirty minutes. Yeah, he was incredible, and and his his form has been outstanding, um, and he plays bigger than he than he is. You know, in actual fact, to be, be fair to him, he's probably taking on that role that they thought Jason Jenkins would 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 have. And that, that's allowed him then play Ross Maloney alongside James Ryan because he's gone around and plays um, laying down a marker physically. Um, and they did lose him. They lost him definitely as a leader. But, like, I still think we have to we have to give Larchelle massive credit. But I think James Ryan was a, was a big loss. And obviously Sexton, Sexton, and this is a fear for, for Leinster in Ireland, is... His influence is is more than the touches he has on the ball. You know, he gives players around him belief. Um, he doesn't need messages to come from the sideline to tell him, you know, how to adapt and, and and what's what's happening in the game. He has that sense of it. So that's that that that's scary, you know. And I know that Crowley was brilliant the week before, and and um, and it's not all on Ross, but the reality is, you know, if Jack Jack Crowley has a big final. You know, this weekend, um, is he going to start? Is he going to become the successor? You know, uh, um, and and going to this World Cup final final episode of Succession is airing this weekend as well. <laughs> just to just to tie all of that in nicely. <laughs> um, to to move it on to Leinster's attack then, and the last few minutes of the game, Fiona, when Leinster. You know, it wasn't like last year where Larochelle hit them in the with the final play of the game. Mm-hmm. They had the opportunity to get back down there. They did get back down there. They won a penalty, put it down into the 22. Josh van der Fleer stepping in instead of Rowan and Kelleher pings a perfect line out. Yeah. Like, I mean, if, you know, if one thing had gone on and Leinster had gone on and lift that trophy, we'd all be looking back at that pressure line out throw from Josh van der Fleer with a few minutes to go. But they they get into position close to the line. There was that that kind of screenshot doing the rounds where you had that massive open side or massive mm. line side where it's just Ryan Baird up against uh, up against uh, against Astoy 
Baird has to come in and, and help sort out the ruck and in the end they move move back and feel like the opportunities were there. You also have Ross Burns getting a bit of criticism for not taking control, making sure they're in the centre of the pitch, trying to step back for a drop goal. What's your overall kind of thoughts on on how they approach those last few minutes? Look, I'll be honest with you. I, I read stuff about Ross Burns. I mean, every part of me watching that game felt like this Leinster team were going to score unless something went drastically wrong, which did happen. We know how clinical they are in there. So I completely, the drop goal thing, I completely, I think he backed his team. They'd won the line. They got on to, to, to on the line. They, they, you know, they are so clinical. Leinster all season long are so clinical in that area. Um, so I, I, I don't think Burns should take any criticism from that. Obviously, you know, we saw, I think it's because the week before as well with Crowley coming in and, and doing that drop goal, it's fresh in everyone's mind that that can win games in the last second. But I, I feel like Leinster have been so clinical in that area. And unfortunately, it was just discipline that let them down. And, you know, it's a straight red card. I watched it over and over again. And, and it is. And, and look, that's not something we've seen out of Leinster all season long. They've their their clean outs have been exceptional. But I will say one thing: you have to give credit to La Rochelle. They absolutely slowed down the ball. I know you spoke about that blindside and Ryan Baird, but they had the ability to get in and the referee looking at him and know exactly. There was a couple of times they were hands in, and obviously Pepper let them go on with that. But they knew from the game. They looked at the ref. They knew what they'd get away with, and that's just a sign of a great side to be able to slow things down and as the phases went on and on they were getting more aggressive and they were obviously putting that pressure on the rock so it was unfortunate but if you would ask me 10 like 20 minutes before that phase would you put your house on Leinster scoring here I definitely would because they've done it all season long so it was just a, a clear out that went wrong and these are the split moments and I suppose as Bernard talked about area earlier it's the pressure moments and it's happening to Leinster in finals and that's where they have to look at how is this happening in these big games. With it, with the bit like I know we have the benefit of hindsight, Birch, but if you can try put yourself back into the moment in those last few minutes, I know you've kind of told us about how the SH one team was hitting the fan all around you at that stage <laughs> yeah. uh, late in the game down at pitch side. But like when you were watching that, can you think like were you thinking Ross Byrne needs to start dropping back into the pocket? Were you thinking they were right to be doing what they were doing? They were like they were quite far out from the posts. Some teams might like to be kind of keep, yeah. keeping that attack central enough. What's your yeah? What's your view on it in the time, and what's your, what's your view been on it since? So basically, in the time, I thought first of all, I thought he should have went for the penalty for a shot of goal because oh, I don't know. Yeah, I do. no, even if you know, I, I back him. Look at obviously he didn't feel it, but uh, and he hit the post twice with conversions. But my initial instinct was when Dante gave that uh, high tackle, I was like, mm-hmm. right, that's the shot, and Rossburn yeah. will. Love this because that's what he does. But obviously he didn't go for it. Um, but then the problem is that Leinster and not just Leinster, most teams who have a, a high tempo attack want to get five yards out of that, they will milk a penalty or they score a try, right? And that, like it's so rare. And Rog even said it after he said, like as a coach, you're kind of going, no, they're going to score. Something they're going to score something. It was the, it was uh, the same as last year with La Rochelle, Campton, Leinster. Yes, no, yeah. I know, I know, and, and La Rochelle got the try, but yeah. but um, no, it's the, like it, you know, that's the the example you're given, even like you yeah, know. yeah, and, and Leinster. The problem is is that I don't think Leinster. This sounds terrible, but I, I'm sure they do. I, but I don't know if they have if they have to go into their drop goal drill often. So just go back to the week before. Munster had had. 
six or you know five or six uh, goal line uh, attacks that yeah. they didn't score from against Leinster, right? So, what, what in Crowley's mind is, well, we've got the ball back, we've got outside of twenty-two, you know, the odds of me scoring a drop goal are higher than maybe going uh, of us getting into the twenty-two and and scoring, um, or getting that penalty because Leinster had defended incredibly well, whereas Leinster in the first fifteen minutes had converted twenty-two. Uh, territory into into tries um, or penalty advantage and uh, also the problem with Gibson Park because he's such a a, a, um, a quick decision maker you, you kind of don't want him to go into slow slow mode so they actually were going towards the posts um, there's two things, Gary has an overlap right? Gary has an overlap when he gets turned over um, and obviously La Rochelle missed touch so unless you get another shot at it but if Gary passes that, it's a walk-in, right? And if you go back to Newcastle um, against Saracens, Gary had a pass up that he should have given off, off from left to right that he that he went back inside and, and the opportunity was lost, right? So, and in fairness to, to La Rochelle, they, they threw those passes, like the Satini break, um, the chip over the top, which gave them field position the first time. They took risks, to be fair to them, um, throughout the game. And I thought Leinster... After the after the, that initial onslaught, didn't take risk. They became more conservative. Um, but sorry, Lenser were going towards the post, which would have made it easier for Ross to drop in the pocket. And next thing, Gibson threw that pass back, uh, back blind, and they were back on the touchline again. You know what I mean? So it's just look at it in hindsight. And New, New Zealand, remember New Zealand lost in Cardiff, um, back a long time ago. And right. after that, they made the drop goal and how to engineer a drop goal a part of their weekly rate regime in case they needed it again. Um and it's definitely something that Leinster didn't look like they had a call for. Um or maybe just maybe they they obviously have a call for it, but it's not something that was drilled into them. And they probably said, right, the percentage odds are we, we either score a try or we get a penalty. Um rather than a drop goal, which is obviously higher risk. So yeah, but I think in hindsight now like they're probably going to have to say, well, look, if we go up, a team, go up against a team that we can't overrun, um, we need to have that in our locker. Two more questions to to finish up before we move on to the URC final. First of all, it's it's more of a wider Ireland question, Fiona, than Leinster specifically. But obviously, if you're talking about one, you are kind of talking about the other, given the overlap of players. It's just mm. the, the reality of it. But would Saturday's defeat put a little bit of doubt in your mind heading towards the World Cup about if if Ireland found themselves in a similar situation? No, I think it's, I actually think it's quite the opposite. Um, I know it would have been good for Ireland if, if Leinster did win, but you've guys heading into a World Cup now with, you know, a bit of a grudge, a bit of a chip on their shoulders. They've won every game, most games all season, and they've been so, you know, so good with Ireland, and we've had a great season with Ireland. I think it's good for them to to realise, and they'll view that game. Obviously, you've O'Gara and different coaching staff, but they know we're playing France as well, possibility playing South, or we're playing South Africa, a possibility of playing France physical teams so they'll have to learn how to deal with them and as you said 
pack in particular, it's it, it's a lot Leinster based. So you know these guys will be going into these big games and they'll have to review whether they'll say it or not. I would imagine at Ireland they'll look at at how they played or what they done in in similar areas and, and come up with a plan because at the end of the day it's a different environment, but it's good to have that going into a World Cup to feel the pain. They are hurting right now. Leinster are hurting and they have the ability to to go into this World Cup and you know they're they're obviously not Johnny we. Bernard spoke about it. Johnny makes such a huge difference. And if if we can keep him fit and healthy, he controls things a lot different. His presence on the pitch is huge, is huge for Ireland as well. So I wouldn't be too worried. I think it's it's hurting and it's inside these players and, and they'll have to look. And as Bernard said, they'll have to look how to win these games in those tiny margins against the big physical teams. Because over the last couple of years, that's something Leinster haven't been able to do. Final thoughts then, Birch. What next for Ronan O'Gara? Um, top 14 in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. I, I like the, to do the double. Do the, the double. Yeah. And like we saw how, how La Rochelle fans have enjoyed being champions of Europe. Uh, but I guarantee you there's there's people in that sporting group who would prefer top 14. You know, that that uh, and that's that's the reality of it in in France. There's, there's a lot of people who think a top 14 is harder one, more important. So uh, for them to be able to do the double would be Will be special. Obviously, you're coming against a Toulouse side who who don't fear La Rochelle the way Leinster seem to um, crack uh, against them. Um, and obviously, our star studded side. But wow, you'd be some, you'd be a brave man to back against La Rochelle if they can, if they can get over this uh, party um, <laughs> in time. Uh, they have a match Sunday against the Stadford but they're already guaranteed second. So um, you would imagine, they, and they're also in it. They've seen bill of health. I think um, mm. you know the, their injury profile is. Is phenomenal. Um, so I, I think top fourteen for him, win a title, win a double, and go back to back in Europe again next year in London or back to back to back. Um, but he's building some some CV. He's very impressive. I mean, he owned Lanzarote Viva on, on on Saturday. I mean, um, we got word on Friday in a pre production meeting that he wanted to come to Prez to the, he wanted to come in to the panel and like so it's unheard of for a coach to do that pre match, but he was just so relaxed and enjoying it and, and obviously we saw him in the coach's box during the game getting in getting excited and intense but it was, that was the nature of the game but um he's a he's an amazing it's an amazing story i mean obviously what he did as a player but now what he's done as a coach top 14 racing uh two super rugby titles um two european titles and a couple of finals in la rochelle um and like even look at the profile of these players people say oh they've got skeleton um etc but like a lot of those french players have come from you know smaller clubs to be fair um in france and he's all... like he, he highlighted someone like roman sazi yeah incredible, you know, incredible. Like, I, I saw so, like, the greatest of respect a, a journeyman like yeah, totally and he was brilliant he was absolutely brilliant and he's getting better with age um so it's down to it's down to the coaching um it's their it's the culture obviously and then the belief that they have in in his methods, in him, um, but also they're very, very well coached. Like they, they've adapted. They put slightly little differences in in all their, in all their games against them. So there's three games against them. There's been little subtle differences around how they attack. It's not just about power. Uh, power is is a big element of it, but um, they are very, very sharp, and um, and that's down to to him. So, uh, amazing. I thought it was a lovely touch. You know, uh, Olive Foley and, and the kids there as well. Um, as a guest of Ronan, I mean, 
like that stuff it, it sounds easy now and, and and logical but you know when he's focused on Leinster and a European Cup final and all the things in his head to have the I suppose to care to to think of that um, doesn't surprise me he's a, he's he's a very kind man um in a lot of ways V does it uh, does it pain you to to realize that the monster job is is probably below him at this stage with uh, with what he's achieved <laughs> yeah I think for a long time Paulie and Roger was the dream team we had we had massive dreams down in Munster if we could get them bought in they would have fixed everything but look the coaches staff are doing well in Munster but look he's exceptional even watching Kerr Barlow and what he what he's gotten out of him in the last few seasons you know he's he's able to bring the best out of players and he has the ability and I've met him a, a few times over the years and you know I, I'd always be like Jesus he's quiet enough or he wouldn't be full of chat but he just he just has the ability to as a coach to buy into him and you can see with them that they they're all on board with him and they want to believe how many French teams can come back from 17 nil down and and do that but they're there's such belief there and and what a coach and exactly like Bernard said bringing out and having his mom on the pitch and everything it's 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 just the tiny little things and players around you can see that and and you want to buy into that system well, like it, it does seem at the very least like the Munster players are buying into what Graham Rowntree and Mike Prendergast are, are bringing at the moment. So we may as well flip it over to, to Munster and Cape Town. 5,000 Munster fans reportedly travelling down there as well. You're not one of them, Fiona, are you? I'm not. I, I, I was uh, I was thinking about it. I was trying to get off work, but I, I have so much on at the minute I couldn't. But I got an email off the old uh, rugby players travel uh, and I was thinking about it, taking out a loan and going down there. be worth every penny. But look, they travel in their numbers. I think it's going to be obviously it's it's sold out. But the, the people that will go there are the right people to be roaring and screaming at the pitch. It's going to be a, a cracker of a game, I think. Bert, you were you were doing a gig with Mike Prendergast last week. How was how was he feeling a week out from a week out from heading back down to South Africa for the third time? In two- yeah, they're very excited about it. I mean, um, they they're so happy with how things have turned for them. Uh, and it's, and look at it; it's down to good coaching, good leadership. I think Roundtree's been really impressive. Um, how he managed those difficult periods, how he didn't second guess themselves and try and you know go back. To go forward, if you get me, they just stuck with what they wanted to build and and to be able to play that game plan that play, they played against Leinster, which I think would be very different than than Stormers. Um, you know where they wanted to starve Leinster possession, um, and make them make a huge amount of tackles, not kick the ball out because of Leinster's line at launch. So they and the belief to go and win it. Um, at the end and like look at when you think about that Munster game, they it's a miracle they won it because of how many. 22 uh, opportunities they 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 blew good down to good Leinster defence but they actually dominated that match which is incredible I know it was Leinster's second string but still to do it in the Viva um uh, wasn't easy for them and now they go to the Storm and, and, Munster, and be- Munster were missing Munster were missing yeah I mean, Munster's injury, well, injury this know. was horrendous it was horrendous so it's um it's huge um I think they've got a really good mix between um the old school Munster you know, of being hard to beat, fight, um, with a modern game plan, um, a modern defensive system, a, a very modern attacking system, um, but still, you know, have a have a have a good set piece focus as well and good kicking game. So, I think it's it's impressive. I fancy him to win. Uh, um, I don't want to put the kudos on him, but um, I, I think that they have Stormers' number. I think Stormers are a brilliant side, but incredibly loose. 
and they give you opportunities. They give you opportunities and they're a little bit wild. And the way Munster have been defending recently, um, they'll fancy their chances, although they've got phenomenal athletes um, and they will make line breaks. I think if you scramble well, you can get after that roking into the passing channel. And they will see this as, this is a phenomenal opportunity for Munster. I know they're building, I know they'll be better next year, but it's so hard to guess silverware, you know, at the moment between Champions Cup or, or URC, because let's be honest, normally Leinster are, are, are I know last year they, they lost against the Bulls, but it's hard to beat them. And you imagine next year that they won't change the team as much in, in the knockout stages, that they'll have to try and, you know, be ready to play on, on both fronts. So um, this is a phenomenal opportunity for, for Munster to get that trophy, which, Obviously, uh, will be massive for them in terms of you know recognizing how they've, I suppose, improved this year, but also giving the fans a, a, um hope as well and and belief and 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 um I think it's a great opportunity for them. I know it's a way from home; it's going to be hard, but they can do it for sure. And feed. So this is their fourth final appearance since they won back in twenty eleven. I was looking back across 2015, 2017 and the the twenty twenty one final yesterday. The the common thread in all three of them was they just did not fire a shot. Like 2015 and 2017 against Glasgow and Scarlets, it felt like that game was over after 30 minutes. They just, they never started. It was kind of the opposite against Leinster where they, they ground through a first half, but never really did anything to threaten them. Mm. It just feels like if, if like if you're judging or predicting this game off the back of Leinster, the, the Leinster game two weeks ago or what Munster have done throughout this season as well, it does feel like at the very least they're going to take a few swings for the fences and if they come up short, it's not going to be for, for a lack of wondering. Exactly. I was at all those three finals. Absolute misery. But look, I think that's the thing. I think the pressure's off Munster. Obviously, they want to win silverware and there is a big thing about that down here in Munster for them to get over that threshold and win something. So it is huge like that. But Stormers, I think, are favourites going into this game, especially it's on in South Africa. Um, You know, the last time they they played them, Evan Roos and Herschel Yankees wasn't there. They add a lot. And I'd imagine they'll be starting for the Stormers. They add a lot to this team and Lee Box kicking probably wasn't great we saw him miss a few as well so look this monster team are exactly like you say they're going to go out and they're going to fire shots we've seen beautiful backline play we hadn't seen it in the previous years Prendergast has added that there's lovely link up play between the forwards and backs I think Crowley is is pulling the strings and as the season's got on he's really confident and you know looking at this year as well with Healy to come off the bench he adds something when he comes off the bench and Look, last last against Leinster two weeks ago, 22, they'll have looked at that and see how they can be better in that area because they weren't clinical. And, you know, for having such a huge performance and having all the possession, they could have come out with a loss up in the Viva, haven't had got themselves into those perfect areas of scoring. So they look at that. But I personally think it's going to be out wide at the breakdown. They're really going to go after the Stormers team. We know they like to throw the ball down and there is turner, turnovers to be one out there but the the only thing and they'll have to really look at it and and they've been excellent in the last few games I think discipline as well is going to be huge I think it's uh the Italian referee I think it's the first Italian referee to 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 ref a, a URC final or any final so it's great for him but they're going to have to work off what he's allowing and what he wants at the breakdown and if they can get control of that I think they'll get great change at the breakdown and and keep Bruce out of the game as well that's going to be huge for Munster 
Yeah, I think it was just five penalties conceded in the, the semi-final against Leinster. It, it was put to Roundtree after the match about the how good their discipline was. And I think he actually admitted it could well be a record for one of his teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. five penalties in the game. Um, the, the run they've been on, Birch, and you mentioned obviously like going down to South Africa again, but six away games in a row now. Obviously, the first one was that disaster in Durban, but unbeaten in the last four of them. And there's been this great nobody believes in us backs to the wall energy about them over the last few weeks. And you get the feeling that's actually driving them on more and more that they're actually probably getting more momentum and more belief from being the underdog from, from being away from home. Like in a way it feels like it's actually better that they're out of the, the bubble of the, the fishbowl of, you know, big pressure playing at home in front of 25 to 26,000 people at Thoman Park. Yeah, no, they've handled that travel element really well. Haven't looked for excuses. Uh, saw it as a as a real um, opportunity to create a bit of history and and momentum, you know. And obviously in Glasgow as well. Glasgow hadn't been beaten, so they just have started to knock people off their perch and and, and getting very comfortable in that. So they are going to go down there with 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 no real fear of um, what's ahead of them. Huge crowd, sellout crowd, five thousand monster fans. They'll appreciate you know the effort and the, uh, the expense that those people are, are are sacrificing to to go and support them and uh, I think you know they'll get the players back from injury it's a squad it's a strong squad they've sent down there um and it'll be phenomenal I think we you know if we had said four or five months ago that Munster would be the, the Irish team bringing home silverware um you know you would have you would have been sent away but uh it's it's I think it's a strong chance of it now and it's it'd be great it'd be great for them you know we want to have a strong Provinces, Connacht have had a good year, very good year. Ulster obviously be very disappointed the way it finished, but had a very high uh, ranking in the in the in the URC. And for Munster to be winning silverware would be would be perfect. And I, I would go back to your early thing about Ireland. I think Ireland are different. Ireland won't be affected by by Leinster losing. I think the coaching staff are different. And you add in the Ty Burns, the Peter Mannies, plus the bench. I think when Leinster look back at it, the bench didn't give them any impact or didn't give them enough time to make an impact as well in a couple of cases. So um yeah, I I, I think uh I think Ireland will be okay in France, but Munster Munster winning would be a great boost. If Munster to really rile up the the underdogs tag fee, mm. um I know there isn't too much, you know, pinning stuff on dressing dressing room walls anymore, <laughs> but if you could somehow pin a video up on a dressing room wall, Joseph Dweba yeah. we're gonna F them up. Uh, and those celebrations after I know like it's been explained obviously by the yeah. coaches and stuff while we were explaining because it's a home final we don't have to travel yeah. out of South Africa again for a game but it if you were a monster player surely it's hard not to look at those videos and just go you'd be licking your chops to use an Eddie O'Sullivan expression Oh, absolutely. You'd love that. And I'm sure they'll come up with something to get that in the mix in, in their heads before it. I'm sure um, we saw all the stuff La Rochelle came out with afterwards. I'm sure Aldrich went into the dressing room as well before the game and said whatever he needed to say to, to Royal his lads up. You know, it's all part and parcel of it. I love it. And to hear Dweeb even saying it, I was even mad myself. But but look, that's that's what it is. I wanted to go out and play him myself. But look, I think, you know, at this level, they, they take all that. And, and it's inside they, but they'll have a game plan and, and they'll be looking at that but there's nothing like a little incentive to to push you on the way and to see those videos and hear what they're saying no better man than Peter O'Mahony to spark up the emotion I'd imagine in the dressing room before they hit the pitch 
Well, yeah, and speaking of Peter Romani and Dueva, uh, Birch, even moving aside from the We Left Them Up video and stuff like that, Dueva as a line-out thrower, not the most reliable in the world. Th- that surely is an area where Munster and Peter Romani are going to be going after. Oh, yeah, he, they'll definitely see opportunities there. And, and if they can start to unsettle um, Stormers at line-out time, I think the, the Stormers scrum... Munster did a great job last time of actually negating that that obvious power and size, um. But I think I expect the Stormers going to be to be good or maybe slightly on top. But liner time is an area they can really you know cause trouble. And and Omani will be looking at you know um previous games and seeing where where teams have profited from. And he obviously has the athleticism and and the system mm-hmm. around him and the trust in, in and the people have trust in him to be able to. Uh, really go after that, and I think that could be uh, it could be a critical area of possession for for Munster. On the the team selection, then Birch, both teams. To be honest, you're probably talking a few additions to in comparison to what they had a a few weeks ago when they met down in down in Cape Town. Would would you be assuming it's back to the with Snyman fit? We're going back to Tyg Byrne in the back row, Snyman and Klein in the centre or in the second row. Sorry. Yeah, I think so. I think um you got to get Snyman in there. Um and I think Fekatoa probably come back in and mm. play with Frisch. Um, Crowley or Healy at ten. I go Crowley and Healy off the bench. Yeah, I go Crowley and Healy off the bench for me. I think Fekatoa has shown you want to be you like you got to rattle them. Um, they 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 do play a lot, and I think Fekatoa recently has been making mm. um some really good reads. Bring, brings a physicality, brings an unpredictability there. Um, that I think uh they need, and also then you have Healy Healy coming off the bench. I know he started in in, um, in Dublin, but uh, I think that works well. You would you go along with that fee? Yeah, I think that um the only thing is Hadnett has been so immense. You know, you'd you'd like he's just been even the last game against Leinster, he's everywhere. But I suppose if they can get him early onto the pitch, he'll cause damage in there. He's He's been huge for Munster and probably be unlucky to to lose out after that um after that game against Leinster. But I, I think Bernard's right. You, you especially line out time you talked about if you can get Snyman in there and Peter O'Mani, you're putting serious pressure. I mean, if they get Snyman even up at the front, you, if you're hitting the back, Dweeba's got to get over him, and he's a huge man to try and get over and get that straight. And Dweeba doesn't like those pressure throws. Scrum half, Craig Casey or Conor Murray. I'd say Murray myself. I'd say they'll go back to Murray. Um, you know they didn't start him obviously in that big cup, uh, Champions Cup game. So it was it was huge for them, and I think they'll go back and rue that. I think he just has such control over the game. Casey was brilliant against Leinster, but Murray has physicality, and we've seen it defensively. He gets himself in and about, and he he's a bigger guy, I think, than Casey. And I think he's he's coming into serious form as well, heading into this uh, World Cup. He's looking at it. He wants to be uh, sharp. And every time I've watched him every game in the last maybe two, three months, I think he's getting better and better. And he's using that physicality and coming into the line to make those big hits when needed. I think his defensive reads and kicking game probably right now is better than Casey's. We know Casey can add the tempo. So I think they'll they'll bring Casey on and start Murray. Birch, you um you said it earlier on as well about the Kind of regardless of what happens this weekend, that the signs are good for Munster going into next season. Like Roundtree has done a lot of good things, stuck to his plan and stuff. One of the one of the other things he's he's done quite well is like he's he's made a few bold selection calls. Be 
kind of alluded to it there, obviously dropping Connor Murray early on, earlier on in the season. And, you know, Murray has worked his way back in and, and got back ahead of him. But one of the other notable things over the last couple of months is like, this is the second South African trip in a row, big South African trip where Simon Zebo isn't in the traveling 31 man squad. And it hasn't been, it hasn't been a big deal. It's kind of gone unremarked upon. Um, it's been really interesting to see how he has shone the light on the likes of Calvin Nash and Shane Daly because they were the foreign players. Mm. And like, it's a big, big call leaving out someone like Simon Zebo for these games. Yeah, it's a big call. And as you said, there's been very little about it, you know, um, because I think the fans can see a fan. Zebo is a fan's favorite in Munster, um, uh, but they can see what Daly and, and and Nash are, are doing, and obviously the um they're back in Roundtree to make those big calls. Obviously Dan Goggins left, you know mid season as well, or or, or or a couple of months ago. So, um there has been he's been very clear about what he wants to build, um and who he wants part of that. It seems from, um from from the outside and and um be interesting. Zebo's under contract next year, yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting if he if he gets back like be fair to him when he's played this year he's been dangerous and he's um he scored he scored tries so he still has that ability um and yeah you would have thought you know even with Earlsey and, and Andrew Conway out he wasn't getting uh he wasn't getting picked in, in match 23s but um that's going to be an interesting one because Zebo obviously is incredibly talented um and it'll be interesting if he bounces back and is a weapon for them next season final final big question then for you and just mentioned his name Keith Earls we we think it's going to be his his last game for Munster this weekend how special would it be for a player like that to be able to, to cap off his his Munster career by by getting his hands on a trophy one more time I stop uh, Limerick legend you'll have me cry now if, if he's I'm gone gonna, this, this is, weekend I, I, I planned this all along I'm going to clip it up fire it out um, across all the socials you know Oh, what a legend. Look, it'll be just huge for him. And you could see even up in the Aviva, I suppose it was his last home game, essentially, because it was in Ireland as well. And he these girls on the pitch. And look, he spurs these guys on. He's he's a, a guy that's been kind of riddled with injury this season. And it's, it's been sad to see. And you're kind of wondering, probably won't make the World Cup squad. I'm, I'm not too sure, just because of the form of the other wingers and, and guys out there. But he's someone that everyone loves to be around an absolute legend and just has been there for so long to send him off with a trophy would be absolutely immense for Munster. And they'll have that in the back of their head as well. They'll, they want to do everything they can, they can do for Keith Earls. They'll, they'll put their bodies on the line for these big games and he's going to be there in whether he starts or whether he's on the bench, he'll have a huge emphasis and be talking to the likes of Calvin Nash and Daly. I'm sure they'll tell you he's done wonders for their career because he's He's just so good and knows how to treat people and speak to people. What a legend. Birch, he's one of those players where they're just, they're, in the last few years, I think in particular, there's this kind of aura developed around him. I even just go back to a couple of weeks ago when we all thought he was going to be out for that, that Leinster game. We thought his season was over. And I was sitting in the Aviva Stadium media room. We were waiting for Leinster's press conference just when the teams were coming out. And the Munster team pops up and we saw Keith Earls on it. And there was a collective kind of a everyone kind of <laughs> sitting back in their chair, just just noticing it. Like it, it felt like a big thing at the time, and it it just would be fantastic for a player of of his uh of his stature to be able to finish off on a high. 
Absolutely, and what a game he had. He, he was, you know, if you look back at that game, he made big plays at big moments, and I think gave them um, a real assuredness in 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 their backline D um, with his with his ability to make good reads and big hits. So uh, phenomenal! It'd be so fitting. Like that was being the biggest frustration for me that that his generation of Peter and and uh, uh, as well and, and Archer etc. That that and Connor. You know they have no silverware that they can claim that they they played a big part in. You know what I mean? They may have had a, a trophy that or, or or medal that came at the back of Raj and Paul's and you know career. But um, this is their generation. This is their story, and that's why I think it would be incredible for them to finish with a with a URC title um, for Earls in particular. Obviously, Peter's staying on, but uh, he deserves it more than more than anybody. And um, I know. The influence he has now in Ireland and um and Munster is, is phenomenal. And it just shows you there's so many different types of leaders. Um and Erzy is unique in in the way he he is. Um but he's so appreciated by anyone who's who's played played with him. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed for him he's able to to go out on top this weekend. That is 5 30 p.m. kickoff in uh, Irish time. This Saturday evening, live on uh, Saturday Sport on RT Radio 1, Munster against the Stormers in the URC Grand Final. Birch and Fiona, thanks a million for joining us on the pod as usual. We will be back for one more RT Rugby podcast of the season this time next week. We'll speak to you again.